0: Welcome to Filmstrip, movie reviews presented by Continuous Play Podcast. These podcasts are spoiler-filled as we discuss the plots, characters and themes of the films in review. All content used or discussed in these podcast episodes is the property of the respective owners and used under the Fair Use Act, Section 504 C2, Title 17. Welcome to Filmstrip. I'm Jay. And I'm Nick. This is our review of Bright, starring Will Smith, Joel Egerton, Numi Rapace sort of Edgar Ramirez and Lucy Fry directed by David Ayer on a budget of $90 million released December, 2017 exclusively to Netflix. So that's the thing about this one, man is 90 million bucks straight to Netflix. Netflix is known to have a lot of shows. They produce films before, but this is by far the biggest budgeted one ever. And people are like, well, Holy cow. How can you do that? No box office returns. Let me just break down some economic math for everybody. All right. Right now, Netflix has 104 million subscribers paying anywhere from eight to nine bucks a month for subscriptions. They pull
1: I in. Pay fifteen.
0: <laughs> Say again. I said
1: I pay fifteen.
0: You pay because you do DVDs and streaming, right? So you're one of the few. No, that... I I got the uh, what they have
1: now is you can do like four streams. Oh, uh, I see. Per... So I, I got the up one. So just. I'm, uh... It's not, I, I don't share my account, Jay. I just need that many streams.
0: <laughs> so just like conservatively, they're bringing in anywhere from $900 million to about a billion and a half dollars a month. Now, they have a lot of money they have to spend on marketing and on their infrastructure and all that stuff. But it's not like Netflix employs 5,000 people. All right, or maybe 50,000 people or something like that. So they got money (laughs) to spend on something like this. And, okay, so it's a bold choice, right? I mean, $90 million for this big effects action movie and for what at one time in the 90s was the most bankable star you could have, Will Smith.
1: Yeah, yeah, for about, what, five movies was he pretty much the most bankable guy, I want to say. It's probably started with... uh Independence Day, right? Then went into Men yeah. in Black, and I think he really of the teeter out when he got to uh, Wild Wild
0: West. Wild Wild West was a drop-off, yes. That, But you know, he rebounded a little bit here and there, but in the mo- more recent years, I mean, when Will Smith isn't chasing Oscar bait or producing something for his son to be in, he's in this kind of stuff where he's basically playing Danny Glover's I'm-too-old-for-this-shit character from Lethal Weapon.
1: Well, I, I see what, like, was Will Smith, it's like, I don't know who his agent is, but you go back over, like, some of the stuff that he should have been in, that he turned down. I mean, the two big ones that come to mind are one being the Matrix movies. They wanted him as opposed to Keanu Reeves, and he turned it down. And then the other one that was more recently was actually uh, Django Unchained, where they wanted him to be in that, but of course he turned that down as well. So he's doing crap like uh, what was that, like After Earth or something that was like the one that with Jaden. And yeah, oh, can my I tell God, you that though was the, That was bad. That was bad. The two hear movies Jay.
0: though that you mentioned that he turned down, I'm kind of glad he did. I can't see Will Smith working in the Matrix movies. There's only one good one anyway, but I can't see him yeah. really working in that. And he would. I don't think he could have pulled off what Jamie Foxx does in that. Uh, mostly meddling Django Unchained movie from Quentin Tarantino. So I'm kind of glad he turned those down. I mean, he got banged on for that concussion movie because of that accent. But if you've ever heard that doctor talk, he's got him dead on. He looks nothing like him. But he really affected that well. And that's a much better film than people realize. It's also kind of scary being a football fan if you watch that because it'll make you think twice about it. But he's done some decent stuff. I mean, he was okay. I mean, Pursuit of Happiness is kind of a sap fest and – Seven pounds. most of it, yeah, most of it has been debunked. Again, Will Smith has chased Oscars and now he seems to be in that point of life where he's like, I'm going to produce stuff for my kids to be in and then I'm just going to do stuff that will get me paid because I don't care anymore. He's kind of gone to where Tom Cruise has, where Cruise chased Oscars for about 10 years and then said, eh, screw it, I'm just going to do Mission Impossible movies. I mean, like at least with
1: Tom Cruise, is Tom Cruise has got Mission Impossible, and he's got that bankable franchise, whereas Will Smith, I think he's kind of, over the last couple of years, been trying to find something like that, where, you know, he Suicide Squad, which <laughs> a movie that was sold <sighs> on a Queen song, and it just... God, that movie was so bad. I, I remember sitting in the movie theater and about halfway through this, I'm like, this is like amateur hour here as far as how this movie was edited and everything. It's like, you could see like the budgets there, that, you know, you got some got some good actors in here, but it's like, my God, this is like a jumble. This is like a, just someone who's never edited a film before put this together because it's so well, bad.
0: Same director as here, right? David Ayer was involved with that. And I think he Yeah, and that that's too. the
1: thing. Yeah. And David Ayer, I mean, he's kind of uh he's kind of an enigma to me because i like like half of his work a lot i like you know something like training day which is a movie that he wrote and produced or Mm -hmm. even the uh brad pitt movie fury i like that a lot or even uh to a lesser extent um well, one with uh Jake Gyllenhaal. um end of watch yeah the end of, end of watch it,
0: end of watch is really good like it's a different twist on a found footage movie it's two l a beat cops watch that folks there's some good performances and that's a it's a heart wrencher, but it's a good that's a good that's probably the best thing he's ever done honestly
1: yeah. And that's good, too. And there was even one that he did with Christian Bale, like, a way go, way time ago called, like, Harsh Times. It's not that bad. It's not that bad of a movie. I watched it, and I was like, oh, this is actually pretty watchable. Mm-hmm. But then it's like he gets into stuff like Suicide Squad, where I'm like, oh, my God, this is – So freaking bad, but that that
0: one sticks out as kind of odd. Like he does, like I mean, he did. He wrote U five seven one, which is its own thing. But like, and and he was one of the writers on Fast and Furious, but he didn't really have a ton to do with the creative force behind that. This guy excels in cop movies, like Dark Blue with Kurt Russell. That's a good cop movie. All right, SWAT that remake they did with Samuel L. Jackson and Ella Cool J and Colin Farrell. That was a really good movie in the early two thousands. They've just rebooted the TV show with it. Harsh Times is good. Street Kings is okay. End of watch is great. Sabotage sucks. Um, I saw that in theaters. I haven't seen Fury mostly because I refuse to look at Brad Pitt do anything. But I hear it's good. Suicide Squad. I'm with you. That was that's the one that sticks out. Like he, this guy does cop movies and things like that. So I get why Max Landis, who wrote this, want, I mean, he wrote it specifically for David Ayer. When he sold it, he said, "I only will sell it if you get David Ayer to sign on as the director." Like he wanted him to do this, and so. I mean, you know, he he is credited as uh, producer on it, and then he's going to co-write the sequel that's already been greenlit for this thing. Um, but David is a guy that, like, I mean, he you know, he was in the Navy, so he understands that military discipline, training, and stuff like that. But he's like obsessed with L.A. cops. You know, particularly, like, bad ones. I think if he had been alive and doing movies in the 80s, he would have been involved in, like, that Colors movie with Sean Penn and Robert Duvall, if you remember that, in the late 80s and 90s. <laughs> yep. I mean, he just seems to be, like, into well, that thing. Well, he would have been thing. Alien Nation. Yeah, to mind. that's the other thing, too. And I feel like that's what Max Landis is mostly kind of homaging here. Do you remember Alien Nation with James Conn? Oh, movie? yeah. Well, I remember, I, I remember the TV. I remember
1: yeah. the T I was gonna say, I remember the TV show. I remember, uh, early nineties, Fox, man, such a different animal back then. We you know oh, when yeah. the Simpsons first sort of started out, <laughs> married with children, uh, yeah, they. I remember just seeing. Uh, well, they were the alienation stuff. They yeah. would
0: push the limit on everything. Like back, then, like nowadays, The Simpsons is so friggin' tame. Like, I mean, even South Park is kind of tame nowadays. But you know, uh, Fox back in the day, they were like the you know the counterculture channel to the other uh, three, particularly like what when it came th- to their their dramas and stuff.
1: Yeah, I remember watching the show Babes. <laughs> Yeah, it was it was kind
0: of like the answer to Baywatch, <laughs> you know.
1: So no, that was with the uh, the three heavy women that were kind of like.
0: Oh, uh, that's right. I, I'm confusing that with some other <laughs> schlock they put out. But yeah, Herman's head. <laughs> yeah, but I mean they they did that kind of stuff back in those days, and yeah. now you know, and and. I, you know, again, that's what he would have been involved in. But alienation is the thing that, like, I bet a lot of people don't know that. And I remember that and remember seeing the television show and then seeing the movie and kind of thinking that it, it almost worked, but it never totally worked.
1: It's it's uh it's a pretty uh, the premise is pretty on the nose as far as what they're going for within like, you know, even this with Bright. I mean, um, I can see why I know. Even before starting to watch this movie, you know, I saw like all the critics uh, basically lambasting this movie pretty bad. And just from even like the first couple scenes in here, I'm like, I totally can see why. I mean, let's just be honest here. I think a lot of the the critics fall more in the left spectrum of the political arena. And I think that a lot of this stuff is – I would even say it's – what do you want to call it? Um
0: It's topical. Subtext. I mean it's, it's,
1: it's yeah. It, yeah but it's not subtext, you know what I no, mean? It's like no, it's text.
0: on the nose. It completely yeah. is like like you know, all this stuff that's going on. And before we go any further, I guess we'll need to do a plot summary here too. But yeah, th- I mean it's it's obvious what they're going for here, and we can get into that as we go. But let me let me play the plot out for you, okay? So there's two sure. cops a veteran, Daryl Ward, played by Will Smith, trying to ride out his time until he can retire, who's paired with a younger officer named Nick Jacoby played by Joel Egerton, and they run afoul of fellow officers and a bunch of street gangs when they decide to protect a witness to a crime scene instead of turn the other way while the cops lay claim to a valuable artifact that this woman's come across. So Ward guns down the villain cops, and he, Jacoby, and the witness go on the run. They team up with some gang members who turn on them to try to stay alive. She ends up saving the life of one of them. The feds get involved. The rival gangs give chase. The cops are giving chase all through the streets of L.A. And eventually, Ward turns the tables on the back. Guys, and while injured, he survives, and the younger Jacoby earns respect for pulling his partner out of a burning building. So that's the standard plot. Now, all of that is pretty straightforward, but you should know this is a world where humans, orcs, elves, fairies all more or less coexist. Jacoby is an orc trying to make his way in the world, and the only orc cop, while most of them are thugs, it seems like. The witness is an elf who's running from her elf sister who wants the artifact which is a magic wand and ward is while a human he's something called a bright who can handle mystical items like magical wands without being destroyed by them got it
1: (laughs) i think the best way to describe this is it's bad boys meets lord of the rings in the world of training day that's basically yeah. what it is
0: yeah or, or maybe like the shield you know it sort of feels that like that that cop world too if you remember has a great gritty cop show that that was on it air had nothing to do with that for to understand but more in that kind of thing yeah it's um wow there's a lot of stuff to talk about here <laughs> and, and I think the thing that strikes me the most is, and and in some ways this may be credit to the movie, is that they don't really bother explaining how we got here. Like, there's all these references for 2,000 years, you know, we've sort of coexisted with these things, and there was this Dark Lord that we beat back all together but it does
1: but that doesn't make any sense because they're actually like then referencing like real human history like uh yeah i think they reference like world war Two or something like uh-huh. that and i'm like how can that or vietnam like there's there's something like i remember i, I don't remember exactly which one they actually like reference but they reference like real history with well yeah yeah there's, I, a, like, there's
0: this poster that's like orcs fight for you who fights for the orcs you know because it seems like the the orcs have been the put upon minority that we send to war to do our dirty work and then we you know sort of Throw away as society, so obviously. They're referencing minority populations with that. And they even play off a joke with it where they've got, you know, they stop some guy in the middle of a street with a sword and there's a Hispanic cop who says, man, don't look at me. People still giving Mexicans crap about the Alamo. And like, they play that off as a hot, hot joke, but then they're trying to have this big social commentary because there's this, you know, this one other white cop who talks about my people slaughtered those people for hundreds of years. And now I'm just supposed to work with one. Will Smith, you're a friggin' uncle Tom or whatever. And we'll, Will Smith is just like, man, I'm just trying to, like, you know, get my pension and go home because he lives in the I do do
1: love the line. I do love the line, though, that Will Smith says to me. He goes, you can't even remember your partner's birthday. So you're going to sit there and be be talking about stuff that happened 2000 years ago. (laughs) And that's like just kind of the whole thing. And that's I think that's kind of a nice little sum up of the world today. It's like everybody's so concerned about. Everybody else and everything that happened thousands of years ago or hundreds of years ago, but you know, no one remembers anything that happened yesterday in their own life.
0: Yeah, like because this, this is a world where, like, the other thing you got to know is the elves are like the super rich. People like they go through They're the one. Per th- they're the one percent. They're the one. Yeah, they go through, I guess it's supposed to be like Beverly Hills or something. And, you know, that's there. There's Rodeo and they're all shopping and they're dressed. The and Edgar Ramirez is an elf who's also an FBI agent. So he's supposed to be really smart. I, I honestly like I saw he was in the credits and then I kept looking for him and I had to look it up. I was like, oh, that's him. Oh, man, because I'm so used to him with that beard that he has, and the fact that they got it so clean and his face looks so different and those friggin' blue eyes and all that stuff. It's the eyes. Yeah, it's it's, the, eyes. It's the eyes. I was like, man, those. I mean, I, I assume that CGI, I don't imagine he would sit around for context like that, nor that they would look that good on screen, but it's, it's good effects, and I, I didn't recognize him But that's the world we live in. The thing about this is, you know, you can do one of these movies two ways. Either you can over-explain the world, and then we get lost in the tedium of that. Or you do what this movie does, and you just drop people in it and let us figure it out as we go along. And I don't know if that's the wrong thing to do, but, like, I could have used, like, two minutes of exposition just to set all that up for me. Because it's in, like, some drawings in the credits while they got this banging music playing. But I don't really pick it up from there. I'm... I'm left mostly just to figure this out on my own. And while I don't need everything explained to me in a movie, I feel like this one could have used like at least, I mean, we get a title card, but it doesn't make any damn sense. <laughs>
1: I, but I mean, it's all fantasy tropes though. I mean, they're not really doing anything different with these characters than what's been done in J. R. R. Tolkien, at least from a, like a broad standpoint. I mean, yeah. you go back and you watch those Peter Jackson movies with Lord of the Rings. It's, that's what it is though. You know, the elves are the high society. That's the one, you know, the elves, the elves, the elves, it's whatever, you know, the, the beautiful race. And then the orcs are the, you know, the low class, you know, working, you know, race. And then you got the men in the middle. I mean, that's always been kind of the, uh, the fantasy trope since, you know, Tolkien started writing the stuff. And of course I'm sure the literature is different, but I'm just talking about the movie sense here. Yeah.
0: Yeah. And I I agree. And here's the thing is uh, I didn't realize, it's been a while since I've visited any of those Tolkien-related Peter Jackson films, you know, and things like that. I mean, I don't don't know the next time I will bother to watch them at all. I mean, I'll watch them, they're fine, but that's not really, that's never been my thing. You know, I just, that's fine if it's yours, it just wasn't what I grew up, you know, being into and reading and watching and stuff, and... I didn't realize there was going to be homework required before I went in to watch this movie on Netflix. <laughs> because I was like, oh, it's a Will Smith cop movie, and he's got an alien partner. i seen that. You know, that's no big deal. And then I'm like, oh, no. It's, oh. I didn't realize I needed to – because I was like, I thought orc was strictly a Tolkien thing. Is that like a public – we could all use that? I guess so. Oh, yeah.
1: Orc orcas. Yeah. I mean like World of Warcraft uses that. Orc is one of those uh, – Orc is no different than elf, as See, far as just using th- that's the fantasy. problem is
0: I I don't speak this dialect of nerd. I speak a different nerd set of nerd, and I don't that I, I'm not in the world, so I don't I didn't know that. That's good to to learn. Well, obviously, I know it now. Set, set your phasers to fantasy, there, Jake. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I definitely had them on a different uh, wavelength, because I get, I mean, and we also we we're, we do all this race relations talk, which is masked by the you know alien nation part of all of this. But Will Smith's, it, you know, he's married to uh, a Caucasian woman. They have a mixed child. I can remember in my lifetime, and I'm not proud of this, to think that would have been like a oh shock thing, you know. Now it's it is just sort of played off, and I think you hit it on the head. Will Smith's the one that's like, man, y'all are upset about things you don't even know who your own kids are, you know? Like it's like, who cares anymore, right? And I remember watching this, and it it hit me 30 minutes later. I was like, wait a minute, he's married to a white woman. I was like, oh, I'm just now noticing that. Well, okay, I guess that's good. We've grown now where that's no big deal, but that's not done arbitrarily. You know, and I think that's done specifically no, so, so that Ward can be that accepting guy. But the thing is, he friggin' hates, hates Jacoby. He hates being saddled with this guy. He begs his part, his sergeant to pull him out of the car. He thinks about killing him. Like he's, and that's the part that I don't get about this is Ward seems to be so struggled with this, but yet he defends this guy at every turn. And I don't, I don't get that motivation. Like, it would have been better if he had just been like, y'all need to ease up on off my partner, you know, the whole time. I think it would have played better.
1: Yeah, but I also think even from a way, though, it's kind of... uh, I think he's torn as a character where I think it's like, you know, he gets it. I don't think he really cares for him. He's obviously got some issues because of a past experience. There was something that went down where... Uh, his his character got shot, and his Jacoby wasn't there, and it was kind of like, hey, did he, you know, let the guy get away because you know he's an orc and everything? But uh, that becomes a major plot
0: point later on because before the you know street gang orcs shoot Jacoby and he it's, gets resurrected he talks about he said man i i've lost the guy in the crowd and then i found a kid tagging the wall that looked like that dude and turns out it wasn't him and i let him go and you know everybody's been giving me crap about it ever since you know so it's like, the
1: same plot point but it's the same plot point from training day yes exactly that. that yes what it's I, the exact I was like, same plot point yes. from training day it works out exact and we'll get into that later but uh yeah i mean i i, I was yeah, for one minute then he's sitting there defending him and the next, you know, minute he doesn't really care for him. But I think in a way though, and it you know, we talk about this off the air all the time when it comes to even just like work relationships with coworkers. I mean, how many times do you have people that play kind of devil's advocate just to play devil's advocate with you at work? You know what I mean? And I kinda that's kind of yeah. how it was coming off with me, where it's like you got all these guys teaming up on them, and all these guys are white going, you know, with Will Smith, who's obviously black. And I think in a way it was kind of like their little bit of differences there are kind of you know causing him to kind of push back at them you know what i mean and that's what i want to kind of the only political thing i want to say about this movie is you know people are like right away when i was reading reviews are like oh the orcs of course they're the black guys and the elves are the upper class white people but i'm like you know i see it a little bit differently with this movie i see it as the humans are the middle class people here but no matter what people are going to be hating on someone else no matter what You know what I mean? Yeah. And in this case, it's like oh, it's orcs and elves. If it was, you know, aliens, they would hate on the aliens. Even if it's just us, we're going to hate on each other just because we have different skin color or we pray to a different God. I mean, I think it's just kind of this movie kind of shows that human nature is to just not like one another.
0: Well, this, (laughs) this movie purports also that hate always flows upward. You know, the orcs hate the white people and or just the humans, the humans hate the elves or resent the elves for being there. You know, hate flows upward and resentment flows upward and then like. Uh, snootiness goes downward. You know, elves look at humans like, eh, you know, those little humans. And then humans look at orcs like, eh, chaff in the wind. You know, that's how they treat each other. That's that's the social flow of this movie. And that's the thing, is if you want to have that in a movie, that could be an interesting dynamic. However, the way this plays out, it becomes so boilerplate, 25 cop movies I've seen before, that that all gets lost in this crap. Like
1: and, and that's the thing, and this movie doesn't do anything new. I mean all yeah. it's doing is it's taking training day it, I mean just take training day and you know you're instead of the Mexicans, you have the orcs and as, as opposed to having the you know these guys are having these i mean that's all it is is it's basically taking races and basically turning them into fictional character species
0: yeah but not, that, notice that the that the, the real evil people here honestly are the white cops like that that's also a heavy-handed uh overly simplistic explanation of everything you know uh, Matt Gerald is Hicks is the corrupt human cop who kind of looks like one of the guys on Saturday Night Live I don't know which one but he just looks like one Margaret Cho in there and I know she's you know Asian American or whatever but she plays very like very white in this like they, you know like that's the thing you notice that the real bad people are the white people and I was like, well, now that, you know, I, I, look, I'm a white person. Obviously, I admit that I'm not trying to project too much here. But I feel like, well, that's just the safe thing to do. You know, like that doesn't, you said it best. This movie doesn't do anything new with all of this rich ground and all this subtext. It just plays it exactly like we've seen it played a hundred other times. And then sometimes it plays it way over the top. Like, you know, Will Smith has to bow up and act street on people. It ain't nothing street about Will Smith, all right? Maybe Sesame Street. Never has been. That was the funny part of The Fresh Prince was he was just as, um, you know, middle-cultured as Carlton. They just played Carlton as a big nerd. You know, to Will being on the street. And that's been Will Smith's whole action career, right? Is that he's too cool for the room. He's just, ba- you know, he can go, you know, gangster and thug and be hard and, you know, act, put on all this front. And then he can also be very sweet and nice and play with his daughter and all this crap. But I'm like, man, this is, I've seen that 40 times from him. I got nothing. Again, the only thing different about this is he kind of plays it off like Danny Glover in the first Lethal Weapon.
1: He's always been the PG rap star. I mean, that's even. <laughs> <one. laughs> I, I, it has. I mean, Family Guy had a funniest thing with like Will Smith once, where it was like he's rapping about like. Do your homework. Wash your hands. Respect your parents. Get to bed early and stuff like that. (laughs) And it's like, yeah, no, that 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 is Will Smith. I mean, he's the guy that it's like, hey, he's going to be our. I mean, even when I think with Fresh Prince was coming on the air, it's like, you know, hey, yeah, this guy's all rap, but you know what? I'd still have him over for some pizza and a movie with my parents on Friday night or something. It's like they,
0: they position him as like safe, you know. And so to be edgy, he drops the f bomb a bunch. He talks about I'm the f you up in a gunfight, you know, and all this stuff. He's, well, always, it, been the,
1: he's yeah. always been the he's always been the east cigarette. <laughs> of, uh, yeah, so what I mean, he's the safe he's the safer alternative
0: can I tell you every time he draws that Glock every time he does I'm like bad boys bad boys too bad boys bad boys too like that's all I think about you know and I'm like maybe it's the way he holds it it's his face it's all this stuff and maybe I mean I don't know what David Ayer told him to do maybe he was like you do that stuff everybody likes man you know and he just did it or maybe Will Smith is the kind of person who's like no, look man I got this you know which is not untrue because he has played this part like I've said, many, many times. Oh, damn. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, one of those, like, man, I'm about to mess you up. You know, one of those. And then you get Joel Egerton, who could, I mean, you get a pretty bland actor. I mean, nothing against the dude, but he's never done anything that I thought was like really out there. You know, I mean, he, though I first saw him in when he was in the, the two Star Wars uh, prequels. And then I remember when he was in Smoking Aces for like five seconds. And then he was in the Thing remake. And I know he's done a lot of other stuff, but I haven't really seen this guy do anything that I thought made him stand out. Um, he was in Exodus Gods and Kings with, you know, one of Ridley Scott's big misfires, if you saw that. And he was in the, uh, way over the top remake of great Gatsby. Those are the things I've seen him in and never has he struck me as anybody that had like more than a two dimensional personality.
1: Uh, the movie though, I think actually plays his character. The best is the movie called the gift. Um, One to check out uh, kind of about a guy who's uh kind of a stalker to a, to a wife Um, kind of plays that two dimensional with with of-
0: Jason Bateman, right? Mm-hmm. I've seen that. I didn't realize that was him. Oh, yeah, he is a weirdo in that one. I mean, like a real psycho type in that. It's that That's actually a good performance. Okay. So I take it back. He's done one thing I thought was really good. Now, if you go look at his your filmography, the guy's acted solid from 1996 till now. So, I mean, he's oh, done yeah. a lot of crap. I'm surprised he hasn't done, like, a Marvel something. He was in Zero Dark Thirty, apparently, too. I don't remember him in that. All I can remember from that is Jessica Chastain, because she's amazing in it. But...
1: Uh, yeah, he was, he was one of the Navy seals along with Chris Pratt.
0: There we go. Okay. So like
1: what, like I'm surprised. And he was in the, and he was in the warrior with uh, Tom Hardy.
0: Okay. See, that's the thing. I look at this guy as like he's Tom Hardy's younger brother. It's kind of how he, he looks. Now, he doesn't look like that in this movie, obviously, because he's all face painted up and he, stuff he,
1: like that. Honestly, he comes off as the guy that works at Firestone. You know what I mean? It's <laughs> like you're going to go in there and he's going to be the guy. It's like, yeah, you know, I can get you a better deal. You know, we're doing a three for one on Cooper tires right now or, uh, you know, buy three, get one free and we'll we'll do the alignment for free and stuff I like that. You know, that.
0: Or he's like your eighth grade boys basketball coach. You know he can kind of be that bad,
1: too, which is know. kind of what he plays in Warrior. He plays like a teacher there. So, but anyways, back back to Bright. Yeah, because um, I mean, in
0: this he plays an Orc who's like the first Orc to become a police officer. He grew up around humans. He's kind of shunned Orc culture, and that's the thing is he's there's the, they have a term for this. He's not what they, what they call blooded, as an Orc or whatever. So he doesn't have any respect with his own people. So that's his whole arc here, and he earns that respect by eventually. Saving his partner from the burning building after Will Smith lights up the magic wand and you know, blows everything to hell.
1: Yeah, yeah. So with the whole plot, though, I mean, what, what did what did you take of it when they got, they get over to that apartment complex? and essentially it's this is where like the plot really kind of starts taking off with this movie is it's all about a uh, magic wand mcGuffin where uh-huh. they go into this uh, apartment building and there's all these like weird, dark magic rituals. I still don't even know what's going on with that elf that's like half splattered on the wall i don't even know I, what the that one
0: newbie repace like cuts her throat with her fingernails yeah, her. Yeah, yeah i don't I don't know what that was either. I was like. I mean, oh, me this sh- this movie turned left into weirdo rama. Like when they pull up outside, they're just having a shootout, and I'm like, what? Well, I saw that in Training Day. That okay, that's kind of cool, or whatever. You know, that, that's realistic. The gun sounds good. You know, that's the thing. Like one thing I'll say is more modern movies. You go watch like movies from the 80s and the 90s. The gun sounds are insane. You know, they're they're just they're all over the place. You fired enough weapons, you know, they, they don't really sound like that, and they don't reverberate like that in certain ways. It sounds good. And I'm like, okay, that's kind that's kind of real. That's not taking me out of the movie. They're covering well,
1: michael man michael man decided to change that up with heat when he's like yeah. why are we doing this let's just actually use the sounds of real guns and exactly. it's like, oh my god so much better it's
0: way way much better so he's you know they're, they're doing this and and i'm into and then they go inside and it's just like weird shit is everywhere man there's like half blue people there's this spider web woman on the wall and i don't know what's like going on loose, like-
1: earned alive. In yeah, the we see, yeah, and what we find out
0: later is that's one of the things the wand will do if you shoot it at somebody. And yeah, there's the the whole thing becomes the magic wand. We got to get a wand. That one cop puts on this big glove and picks it up, and it's like, whoa, oh, man, it's so friggin' hot, you know. And I, I don't, they don't do enough, at least in my opinion, of explaining the rules of wand handling and what a wand can do because it can be everything from a Flamethrower to a sniper rifle to a friggin' bomb, depending on who's wielding it, what you say when you throw it at somebody, all of that stuff.
1: But isn't that always kind of the thing, though, with magic wands? I mean, you you did the whole Harry Potter retrospective, and you know that was always kind of one of the things in Harry Potter was. It can you know as it get later in these movies it's just like it can do all that. why haven't you been doing that from the beginning? You know yeah what I mean? like
0: the way they played it in Harry Potter is you had to learn it to like get better with it, so I kind of get that like I, as an old buffy fan like they there was this joke on the show once where. Buffy was like, "Ooh, crossbow," and they're like, "No, you must start with wooden sticks." So she takes the wooden stick, she beats the crap out of her trainer, and he's like, "Okay, onto the crossbow." You know, so that, I, I had kind of gotten used to we just fast forward to the better weapon. We use the cheat code to get to it, and and I guess that's what they do here with this. Is like, well, this is the BFG. You you have it on the first level now, so handle accordingly. And
1: it's the Game Shark version of a magic wand for any of the uh, old '90s video game players.
0: <laughs> yeah, there you go. Yeah, exactly. It's, it's the Game Shark. And so now they have it. And that's the thing is – what what happens is the he sends Ork Jacoby back outside because Jacoby's like, man, we can't touch that. We don't want none to do with none of that. Like that's not that's not my world. I'm not fooling with that. I'm not trying to be about none of that. And Will Smith and the corrupt cops are inside, and they're all like, look, you got to make a choice. We either gun that you know freak down, we write the report up, and we just act like nothing happens, and we all walk away, and we can do whatever we want with this wand, or you know, we kill you. And what we learn after he walks out of the room is they're gonna kill him anyway. And so he goes yeah. out there to tell Jacoby, like, "Look, man, you got to get out of here. They're about to gun you down." Blah blah blah. And they, you know, come come back in. In they they're standing behind him, and Jacoby's like, "You got this guy here, here, and here." And then you get to see Will Smith wheel around in this needless slow motion scene where he shoots all those cops dead. You know, and I, I mean, like, I that's the thing that like I realized I was like. This movie is too cute by half, and this is Exhibit A. All right, like if he had just turned around and just shot them all real quick, like Training Day style, realistic, I'd have been like, "Damn, this is gritty. I, I, I could get into that." But they go immediately to Bad Boys territory, and I'm like, "That was, oh, yeah. that was a bullet mistake." Time. Yeah, when we bullet go bullet time. bullet time and you try to do Bad Boys, and Michael Bay shit like that, I was like, "No, that's you're, you're mixing too much of your peanut butters with your chocolate here, guys."
1: And I think that's kind of my issue with this movie is even though we've seen this a thousand times before, we're going to still see it another thousand times in the future. I don't – I like this genre. I like this gritty whatever and mixing it with fantasy or mixing it with high fantasy really. I mean I think that's kind of a you know, chocolate and peanut butter right there but now when they're kind of mixing in like this really ultra – you know, stylized violence and stuff like that. It's like, if you get, they would have just kept with the grittiness of this and just kept it all like real dirty and everything like that. I I would have enjoyed this so much more than when they're doing this, you know, just late nineties bullet time crap. I mean, aren't we past this already?
0: I would have thought we were, but apparently we're not like, I'll tell you like bullet time to me was something that existed in the matrix and in the first max Payne video game. Yep. You know, and those th- th- if anything has held on from those two cultural touchstones in pop culture, that was the thing that lasted and it's lasted 20 years now. I would have thought it would have been over a long time ago. but and, and no way, man, we just did a Star Wars movie where friggin' Luke Skywalker does a Matrix dive <laughs> in bullet time. So, no, it clearly is never going away. You know, so. Yeah,
1: I would I would have thought when we saw A V P use bullet time for the face huggers jumping out of the eggs <laughs> that it was like, Nope, we are we have crossed the threshold oh, of no oh, going it back. It
0: did. It did. Go back and listen to our review of it, folks. It did, we, we banged on it then. It didn't need to be in that movie, no more than it needed to be in this one. Though I will tell you now, it fits that movie, Alien vs. Predators Motif, much better than it does this one. Like, this movie has (laughs) too many damn things going on that it's trying to be at the same time, and it can't support the weight of them.
1: No, and it's just – I think having stuff like bullet time and just kind of this – I mean, as we get on right here, I mean, what happens when Will Smith guns down the cops is – again training day where you remember in the movie training day where you always had like you know he lived down this you know pretty dangerous street you know what I mean and it was like always like you had the you had the crews and you had all the guys that live there you know what I mean and they would always come down and be talking it's the same Mm -hmm. scene again you have this guy uh, what's his name like poison or something like that yeah you get
0: this street gang guy in a a wheelchair with all of his thugs he's like I hear somebody shooting cops in my hood there's a wand in my hood no it's mine and I'm like man we gotta do turf war right now because and what we haven't said is that Tika the elf need, you need a Terry
1: Cruz like right behind him it would have been perfect
0: <laughs> so you might as well have right matter of fact he might have been in that but you've got uh, Lucy Fry the the young elf who had the wand and somehow got out of that melee that happened that but we never really even know what happens in that building but she's been befriended by Jacoby because he knows a little elf like elfish, so he can talk to her a little bit. And he's like, they, they've got names down. And so he's trying to protect her. Will Smith's trying to get both of them out of there. He's shooting cops. And then, you know, the, the hood shows up. And this is like the Mexican bangers, right? Or the Hispanic bangers are now like, no, nah, man, that ain't going down. And, you know, these are the one-niners if you're a S.H.I.E.L.D. fan. And it, I'm like, no, now we have to have these guys running around. And it's there's too many things coming down on these two guys and also you've set up nothing for me about these two dudes that made me think they're going to get out of this alive like this there's i i wish i could invoke tuco the rat on all of these gangsters if you're going to shoot shoot don't talk
1: yeah. Well, I mean, right now, I mean, it is bad boys though. I mean, this is the exact plot of bad boys where you have Will Smith and Martin Lawrence and they're protecting Taylor I mean, it's the exact <laughs> plot. It's, it's the almost same perfect.
0: Thing. Yeah. Lucy Fry is a, uh, is a sort of a Taylor. I don't know her from anything, by the way. Do you know this chick from, from anything? I don't think I've ever seen her in anything before.
1: Nah, she, <laughs> I mean, The whole thing is, look, when you do people up in elf makeup, they all look like freaking Orlando Bloom to me. It's just, they all (laughs) look the (laughs) same.
0: I had seen her in one thing. I watched that eleven twenty two sixty three thing that Hulu did, which is that rather poor rendition of a really bad Stephen King idea. And she was in that. She played Marina Oswalt. But you wouldn't know it looking at her in this because she looks nothing like it. Because you're right. When they put the elf on people, there's one thing about Lord of the Rings, like – Hugo Weaving and Liv Ty- uh, Tyler and Orlando Bloom still kind of look like themselves when they're in elf makeup. You know, Edgar Ramirez well, and I this woman look nothing there. like themselves. And Numi Rapace, by the way, I, if I, if I hadn't known she was in this movie, I would have never known who she was until I looked up in credits. But she yeah, does not here. look at all like... I mean, she has a striking look anyway because she's Scandinavian and everything. She has like a, a you know, certain bone structure in her face and they completely like change all of that here. You might as well just had a, like her doing mocap or something.
1: Well, and that's the thing though. I want to kind of like, I was talking about like Orlando Bloom and Lord of the Rings, at least the Lord of the Rings, like everybody kind of had their own different looks. You know what I mean? Like Hugo weaving was Brown hair Liv Tyler was Brown hair. And then you had like Orlando Bloom where he was the blonde hair. It seems like ever since that movie, and I don't know if it was all like the little girl crushes on Orlando Bloom, but like every single elf in any movie since then has always been the blonde hair and blue eyes. You know what I mean? It's like, hey, we got to totally go to, um, you know, Norwegian with everybody here and just make them all look, you know, the same features. And that's what I mean here. It's like between like her and then Naomi repays character. I can't even tell the difference between them. It's I mean, really
0: like, they, they look exactly the same. That, well, and they're supposed to be sisters. So in some ways that's good because they do favor one another or they're made up to favor one another but i'm I, i'm a little fuzzy on what leela's thing is she wants the magic wand so she can bring the dark lord back but then she kind of says she doesn't she just wants to take over her own part of, i don't get what her plot is maybe i missed it you you tell me what what i she
1: i was hoping that you would fill me in on that because honestly <laughs> i don't know i know that When they talk about Dark Lord, I'm like, oh, okay, they're going to bring back Sauron. That's kind of the whole point here is like this magic wand is kind of the ring from Lord of the Rings. And somehow, some way, it's going to be able to bring back this Dark Lord to, you know, enslave us for the fourth age or some shit like that. I don't know. But as far as like what the, the what what her sister's thing was, I guess she was trying to prevent that from happening. Like, like her,
0: her sister had betrayed the Shield of Light, which is this group that wants to bring back the Dark Lord. I got that much. Right. But yeah. I also kinda kind the of got like sense an that, that, that like Numi alpha. was like, I'm just going to go get my sister and we're going to team up and double cross all y'all. He She was kind of doing a Darth Vader with Luke, like, let's kill the old man and take over the universe, kid. And Empire Strikes Back, you know? I was like, I kind of got that she wasn't a, exact... There's no honor among thieves, Nick. And so I kind of felt like she was maybe going to double-cross the bringing back of the Dark Lord. I don't know, because they play that Dark Lord thing off like it was such a big deal, but they never show us him. He's never, like, partially coming through a portal, like you know, the <clears throat> evil overlords and Howard the Duck or something, and then they get destroyed. Like, we never see it, like, almost happen. They never even get close to it, really. Like, she, all you get is Numi Rapace gets her on an altar and is about to stab her and kill her, and apparently, like, that sacrifice is part of this whole thing, and that's when Will Smith gets the magic wand and says, ooga booga, and boom, everything blows up. <laughs> so, c- because because Tika tells him what to say, and he's like, oh, I'm supposed to repeat you. Yeah, I got this. You know, <laughs> and, then, and what's up? Here's my magic wand. And then there it goes. Yeah, it's, I I don't know. I don't, and you know what? I don't think it even friggin' matters because that's not the story. The story is no, he doesn't just, know just, if Jacoby so ratted him out or sold him out with that guy until Jacoby admits to him what exactly happened and the orc gangster shoots him and then Tika uses the wand to resurrect him and blow all those other guys up. And then that's now they're, they're friends, I, I guess. I mean, I don't know. They get medals at the end, kind of like Star Wars, so I I don't know.
1: (laughs) Yeah, yeah, I... Yeah, I mean, the, they got the whole scene there where you know they get captured by another like the big orc gang or whatever. The leader is—I um, don't know if you recognize them underneath all that makeup. It was the uh, the security guard from Orange Is the New Black. So uh, no, I Netflix didn't know is, that.
0: That was yeah. Dumb. Oh, okay. Yeah,
1: Netflix is keeping it all in house as far as their characters. Well, go. hey,
0: you know, look, you you gotta—it's like you have the the Miramax players from the '90s. You have the next Netflix players. I get it. It's it's totally fine. Uh, the orc gang—they're called the Fog Teeth. Um, cause it's the one thing we know, like they all have like the bottom teeth that are shooting up like the fang, the reverse fangs basically. But, uh, I, did point. he cut them off or does he keep them shaved down? Jacoby's are kind of like barely underneath his lips, you know, like he doesn't, you know, let them completely fang out cause he's trying to look human.
1: Yeah. I took it as kind of like a Hellboy thing where he was shaving down his horns and he was probably filing down his, uh, you know.
0: That's things. the other thing, too, is he has he has like a human name. He also has a very white name, Nick Jacoby, and everybody else's name is Dorgua and stuff like that. You know, So it's he's completely shunned his whole uh, culture uh, because he rolls around as a LAPD cop.
1: And I wish there was a little bit more background on to why he wanted to become a cop. I mean, there is like one scene where he sits there and he's like, ever since I was a little boy, I've always wanted to be a police officer. And it's like, why? You know what I mean? it It would have been nice to get like maybe just like a little bit because it's such a big thing. I mean, this is like you know, Jackie Robinson becoming, you know, a baseball player where it's like, hey, They want to be able to you know this is the first orc that's ever become a police officer and there should be a little bit more to it than that at least from you know movie sensibilities go I mean have something where maybe a flashback when he was a kid and his mom was saved by a cop or something like that and like he always had respect for him you know what I mean or just something you know in there it just to me it was like especially when you got all this stuff with oh you would have made a good orc here and he's like oh I am an orc it's like it just falls flat because it's like it doesn't mean anything because we don't know these characters
0: Right, yeah, that's the thing is they didn't do enough to set us up. And like I said at the beginning, they just want to drop us in this world, and then there we are. But you've got to give me something to lean into. You've got to give me some bit of exposition somewhere where someone explains to me what the heck is going on, so at least I know what world we're operating in. Because otherwise, I'm there to connect all the things that you are ripping off slash homaging
1: in. Well, you know movie. it's a good example? Is the re- reboot of Star Trek. And, yes. you know, I know everybody likes to rip on J.J. Abrams, but mm-hmm. we saw Kirk and Spock and different parts of their lives kind of grow up and kind of see what they were going through so that when they first met, even though they were at odds with each other, we understood where each of them came from. Exactly. And this, I think
0: the setup of that movie is genius done when you have to reset a world. Like, I get it now. I totally understand what world we're living in with that Star Trek reboot. And this one, I don't. I have and even mm-hmm. even think about movies this is trying to be training day bad boys we get like exposition in the car between Will Smith and uh, uh Martin Lawrence where Martin Lawrence is you know middle class he's always been middle class he's a cop he's just trying to take care of his kids and will Smith is like a rich kid who decided to be a cop but we get that, and so we kind of know the world that they both represent. That's how we understand. He was like the Fresh Prince but gave a cop, which is, I think, exactly well, even- how they pitched that movie. And and I get that. They don't set any of this up enough for us to be able to follow it. And because this is trying to be so many of the things at the same time and have all these little memberberry cultural milestones plucked in it, It's it's an assault on my senses and I'm just taken out of the movie because of it, because I don't I I mean, I don't know what the purpose is and I don't even care. Like at one point, I'm like, this one seems kind of cool. And I'm like, you know, I don't really care. Will Smith's obviously going to get that and kill everybody in the end. So and that's exactly what happens.
1: Yeah. And I think even something like with Training Day or Bad Boys. Everybody's relatable because guess what? We're all we're all human. You know what I mean? Yeah, we've we've already we we Understand you know what I mean when you got like oh, yeah He's the rich guy and stuff like that wants to be a cop or even in like training day. It's like okay. Yeah This guy's the new guy at work. We've all been there. You know what I mean? And Whereas in this where it's like hey, we're gonna do something. That's a, a different species and this and that it's like okay, well, you're telling me he's not human so i need something there to connect to some kind of human trait or some type of like you know human situation here that I, as the viewer can latch onto, and they just don't do it i mean i don't mind them dropping us into this fantasy world i don't mind that at all but you can't just drop me in the middle of these people's lives and expect me to be attached to them without some type of event or some type of flashback or some type of thing in the beginning that gets me invested in the characters and that's this movie just doesn't have any of that it's just kind of just like I said, it's it's a muddled mess.
0: That's the thing about, about this movie. And I think muddled mess is a good way to say it. And this movie, I think, would have been better off had Netflix said, let's take this big thing we've got here and let's break this into like six episodes. Let's make it. Let's make it another show. I know they wanted to just do a movie, and that Will Smith probably would have never signed up for it if it was just a show. But this feels like it could have been a really good Netflix show because then you can roll this out an hour and a half, an hour at a time. Well,
1: you bring is, yeah. you, you, Well, this is how you do it. I mean, you do that's that's perfect because what you have right here is you got the total in for this world, yes. and you know who the in would be? Will Smith's daughter. Yes. Is you show them. You show her in school with orc children, with elf children, and you know what they do? They do a history class and it's all like this is what happened so they're all learning that at the same time and then you'll be able to get the orcs home life him being able to go back to his area and seeing how he's jaded from his community because you know he's a the Uncle Tom version of an orc you know what I mean where it's like you know and that way you could build that so by the end of the second episode when you bring in this stuff you know what, you can bring in all this crazy stuff. You can bring in the shark getting blown up by an oxygen tank because you're already grounded in this world.
0: Yeah, <laughs> that's, that's a good way to, to say it too. It would have been better had it had been longer. And I can't believe I'm going to say this because this movie is almost two hours long. And while it's not explaining anything to me, I also feel like it drags. In the second act, until we get to Jacoby's resurrection, basically, I'm like, let's get on with it already i mean come on please yeah, yeah. can we get anywhere i don't know if you felt that way about it but i was sitting there like holding my head in my hands with one eye on it for a while going is this ever going to get where it needs to get because i know what's going to happen we're going to get newmi Repays is going to catch up to this sister elf and will smith is gonna have to do something with the wand that's magical like i i know that's where this is leading to let's just get there and if it had been shorter it may i mean even though it would have explained less even less than what it was already explaining it would have been more digestible at least for me because i got bored in this movie until the climax
1: oh yeah i know as we talked off air on um I just finished this up today as we're, you know, right before we recorded this, it, I fell asleep during the, uh, the first viewing of it. <laughs> and it was just because it just was, it was just dragging in so many areas. And I'm like, my gosh, you guys are putting all this fantasy stuff into here. Why not use it to make it a little bit more interesting? You know what I mean? Go to exactly. elf, you know, instead of like just driving through a dayo drive and stuff like that, let's go explore some elf culture. Let's go explore some orc culture. You don't have to make it the focus, but give me something in the background to kind of like you know the like the cantina scene in Star Wars, where I just want to see some crazy stuff going on. I mean, we get some stuff in there, like the beginning. We get like a like a little pixie guy or something like that that Will Smith beats death with a broom. Yeah, he shows fairy. up at the
0: end too to scream at the screen, and then that's the credit.
1: Yeah, cute. Yeah, yeah. but uh, even like uh, there's a centaur. You know what I mean? Where it's like you saw a centaur with, with the cops, and it's like okay well that's kind of neat i mean there's a it'd guy be, it'd who's be great if that
0: centaur's name was like you know jones or something like you're taking jones take the truck you know so but yeah yeah,
1: yeah it, get I mean, I mean that, but they could have done but they could have done something with that besides just putting us in a really dimly lit city that's just grungy and wet and just kind of go from gunshot to escape to gunshot to escape i mean that's the entire thing and well, by I the mean, time this movie was actually like Mm-hmm. getting to his climax i mean yeah i mean it was such a by the numbers of course yep will smith is gonna pull a star lord and he's gonna grab that orb or the wand in yes. this thing and he's gonna defeat the bad guy by using it i mean it, it's the ending of guardians of the galaxy and That's a good uh, pull.
0: i hadn't thought about that but you're right yeah and the other thing is and we haven't talked about him enough other than the way he looks you've got edgar ramirez who's candomir who's the Federal agent in the U.S. Department of Magic Task Force because nobody's cool. allowed that, to that, use magic, you know. And, and that, they, that's cool. Yeah, that's cool. It's very cool. Like, on it. I would have, I would have had a loved in a whole episode just on him and them and on. Hildebrandt who works with him and like this, the way all that works, because at the end they're, they're interrogating Jacoby and, and Will Smith. He's all laid up ward there. And they're like, man, none of that happened. It was just some bad shootout with some bad dudes. And they're like, so no magic, no magic. And you can tell like they're both know they're lying to each other, but that we're going to accept that and move on. I would have bought that better. If I cared at all about what the hell the (laughs) U S magic task force was all about, but they're just as nebulous as everything else in this movie.
1: It's a cool concept, but again, they just come off like the FBI agents and die hard where it was exactly. just like, yeah, there's there just <laughs> to be the, the feds who are going to screw stuff up or possibly screw some stuff up and then cover it up at the end. But yeah, it I, I honestly expected Kandemir cool. to
0: go just like in Nam and, and Monty, Hugh to be like, I was in junior high, dickhead. You know, like that's exactly how I thought that was going to go with this, too. They lived, which was amazing. I did think they were going to die hard this to guys.
1: Yeah, but. Yeah, so we get to the end, and Jacoby, you know, basically Will Smith uses the wand. The building starts burning down. The wand, he killed four. Uh, yep, and yep, and then Jaco- um, Takie or whatever her name is, she disappears, and um, basically Jacoby grabs uh, Will Smith. I'm just going to call him Will Smith. <laughs> Might um, <laughs> as well. He's just playing Will yeah, Smith. Yes, he, he always plays himself. So he pulls <laughs> yeah. him out of the building and yeah, then he's basically yeah, we get the Star Wars scene at the end where they're all getting you know, they're getting, you know, the recommendations and medals because dude saved him from the burning building and that but I guess. More
0: we'll importantly, Jacoby has now been blooded as an orc because he did this extreme act of bravery or whatever. And I'm like, that okay. I mean, they do explain that in the movie, but it's I don't care <laughs> because I don't, what does that matter? He doesn't seem like he it doesn't wants mean to anything be in a
1: because we haven't seen the orc culture and what that means to them.
0: Right. Like they play it off. Like, does that mean he gets to join the gang now? He seems to be like going in the other direction of that. So why does he even care? That's the, th- like, I guess that that's the deal. Is like, you can, you can go and be a part of another, you know, group and culture, but you've got to be true to your own culture or else you're just a betrayer. But I'm like, but well, that's not, I mean, if somebody rises up out of the, you know, the slums and makes a life for themselves and doesn't do it nefariously and becomes a productive member of society, why do we look down on that? It's
1: that's what you're supposed and to be. that could have been do. and that could have been stuff that could have been explored here, you know what I mean? By him actually having a life outside that police car, you know exactly. what I mean? Where it's like, yeah. hey, he's going home and that could be arguments that he has with his wife or with his father-in-law or with his own dad where it's like, listen, you know what i mean i don't want to we, we we need to we, we should all be equals here and the only way that we can be an equal here is by rising above you know this and trying to you know what i mean it could have been so much more to it but like i said the whole thing with like being bloodied it's like my god all you have to do is just show the importance of that within the or culture and it would mean stuff in the end but because it's just a word that they use like three times it doesn't mean anything
0: exactly and it, again it doesn't resonate because we're not invested in this at all and and we get the little wink at the end because Tika is walking through the crowd at the celebration and she kind of looks and smiles at ward and uh walks behind his wife and daughter and it's like oh okay so i guess she's going to be their fairy elf now and watch over them or something or i don't know all i know is that they're going to do a sequel to this and it just reminded me the end of
1: fury road where it's like i'm going to go off into the crowd
0: yeah, I mean, but that was satisfying.
1: <laughs> that's the difference between a good movie and a bad movie. I mean, you watch like Mad Max Fury Road. He says like seven lines throughout the movie, but you're just invested in him because of the filmmaking that's going on and then the characters around them. Yeah. Where you all, you, but that's the thing. You can't have an entire movie made up of Mad Maxes because guess what? It doesn't <laughs>
0: There's no, no it, it doesn't make any sense and it doesn't work. And th- there's another movie that doesn't bother to it expects you to just know what this world is and things like that. Drops you in it. It's a chase for one hour one way and you uh, turn around and it's a chase for an hour back the other way and you get all of it on the road there. But that one works because it doesn't make all these friggin' huge leaps and make me jump through mental hoops of nostalgia. To get to it. I think we're, we're, we're going to do an obvious thing here, but it's time on the podcast to get final thoughts and popcorn ratings. So what are yours, Nick for bright?
1: I tell you this, man, it's, I, I've, when I first started this and like, we kind of talked and you kind of were you were kind of giving me your opinion right away. I was silent on it. Cause I was still trying to digest this movie, even though it's just, you know, freshly eaten. And uh, I, I turned it off. I'm like, you know what? It's not that Bad of a movie. I'm like, what's with all these critics? You know, kind of ripping into it. But honestly, just kind of sitting here talking with you about it, it's like, no. I kind of am really starting to realize why there's some been some bad word of mouth from kind of the the critic elite here as far as this movie goes. And it's as we discussed for this entire movie is there's no connection to these characters okay, the plot is very by the numbers. It's a basic plot. The plot's fine. I mean, as far as from getting point A to point B to point C, but there's no connections to this world and there's no connections to these characters. And when you mix in all these different genres and tropes and everything, there's really just nothing substantial there to hold on to. So to me, in the end, this is, this is a small popcorn movie. And I, Honestly, when I turned it off, I would have said medium popcorn, but just talking about it for like the last 50 minutes, it's it's gone down to a small popcorn. I don't think it's the worst movie I've seen this year. I think they had some good ideas in here. I think it could have been really good as a six-part or eight-part Netflix series, but they should have just spent that $90 million and actually have done that. I don't know how this costs $90 million bucks. I mean, yeah, there's some kind of good uh, prosthetic work going on here, but... Pff. I don't know. It's a small popcorn. I'm not going to revisit it. Uh, They're talking about doing a sequel to it. I don't know. Unless they really kind of hone in this world and start doing something different, I'm probably going to skip the sequel.
0: Yeah, I don't know that I'll be down for that either. You know, we're just starting 2018 here, and so I've only seen a couple of things so far this year. So ask me in December if this is the worst thing I saw a year. I do know what this is, though. I'm going to borrow something you do a lot. You do, like, food comparisons to movies when we review them sometimes. Usually whiskey. (laughs) that, That too, but more relatable to the mass audience, I think. This is like the McRib. You see that thing on television. And you remember it from when you were young and you're like, yeah, the McRib's back. Yeah, and you look at it, you're like, cool. And then you go order one, like I did in in last year. And you get it, and it's this bun with this meat like substance, and it's got some barbecue on it, but not really. And the onions are all over here. It's not it's a mess of everything I thought it was supposed to be and what it presented itself as. It's exactly what this movie is. It's got a lot of parts that I would like. If they were assembled correctly. and I think we're both right, this would have been much better as a you know limited run series because they could have explained it more. But even as, if they just make it as a movie in in two hours, you could have still explained and put this together better. the 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 sum of the parts is less than the parts themselves is what I'm saying. Like there's stuff here that is likable and it's enjoyable and is, it, yeah, it's homage, ripoff, whatever. That's fine. That's where we are as culture right now. I can live with that, you know, for the most part. But it's just assembled so badly. This movie's assembled terribly. And because it could be so much more, it's my standard definition of the most frustrating medium popcorn kind of movie you can get. There's something here. And maybe on a second try, they can get it right. I I don't know if I'm going to be down to go back and look at it or not. But maybe they can, but they didn't this time. The, The... complete summation of all of it is not satisfying as a watch it's it goes on too long there's not enough to explain i'm expected to know way too much on it and i get things that i've seen a hundred other times there's nothing new to it so i'm going to give it medium popcorn but like that bad stale why did i buy this and put butter on it medium popcorn I think it's exactly <laughs> what this movie is, and so it's a heck of a way to start the uh, the new year here. We, you know, we, we came out with "In the Mouth of Madness," our crossover with David and Chelsea, at, um, uh, based on a true crime, and we decided to do this one. And then we're gonna go down nostalgia lane again next week, Nick, because we're gonna get around to talking about. It from 2017, the Stephen King remake. We did Stephen King movies, a, a slew of them, you know, several years ago, and we did the It miniseries as part of that. And they're now ma- remaking that. Been trying to remake it for years. And Chapter One came out last year and was a huge hit. But I, you know, I certainly had a lot of thoughts about that, and I know you will too. But um, we'll uh, we'll get into that one next week. I'm looking forward to talking about that.
1: Yeah, definitely. I think it'll be a be a good discussion there.
0: Should be a lot to talk about. Of course, everything's always on our feed, folks. Continuous Play Podcast-Movies. You can find us on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play. If you like the show, leave us a positive review. It helps other people find the show. We pick up new people all the time that catch up with us. We appreciate your support. And we're just, just getting started here in 2018 on Filmstrip. So once again, for Nick, I'm Jay. Thanks for listening to Filmstrip. Thank you for listening to Filmstrip. You can find more episodes on our website, continuousplaypodcast.com forward slash movies. Please leave us a positive review on iTunes and link up with us on Facebook. The filmstrip theme music is produced and performed by Frozen Lake 121.